everyone. Welcome back to Great Quarter, guys. I've got the 43rd episode for you. This is actually one of my favorite football players of all time, Mr. Darren Sproles, as an, and also an undersized person myself. I love Darren Sproles. I actually met him in a McDonald's one time back in when he was in college back at Kansas State. So we're going to throw this one to him, number 43. We've got uh, our two regular co-hosts with us, both Kevin Hill and Mr. Seth Holm, back with us on the line. I've got Kevin in the office there. How are we, Kevin? We're doing great. Darren Sproles. I mean, I, what, what a great great player you know I, I didn't like him at k-state because he always beat up on on ou he's always dangerous weapon whenever oklahoma played them but uh you know admire admired him in college and had a, a, a great pro career yeah they've actually got a, a little guy now that that reminds me a lot of darren sproles he wears number 43 he's about five foot uh, two at kansas state right now so watch out for him i think he's playing your sooners this weekend isn't he kevin he is yes kansas state and ou play this saturday yeah, should be a good one. Uh, we've also got a good episode for you. We're, we'll run through some CEOs, some UK or NAS here in a second with uh, with Seth and I and Kevin. Uh, but then we're going to get into two major discussions. We can't avoid this Nicola discussion. Uh, it's huge news. Trevor Milton has stepped down as as, CEO, as chairman, uh, and he's he's off the company right now. He's holding retention of his shares. Uh, but we'll talk about where that situation's going. What is Nicola worth? They've got seven hundred million dollars on the balance sheet. What do they do with it? Uh, they're they're soon to have a. a freshly newly minted deal with GM. GM's still pursuing the deal, so we'll get into that, get into valuation and the balance sheet, where we expect them to go. And then if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about Tesla Battery Day. That is today, uh, this afternoon, should be happening about 4.30 Eastern time. So we'll talk about, we won't get too deep into the details of, of what we actually expect on the battery upgrades, but we'll talk about what the market expects, how it's going to affect the stock price, uh, you know, where we see Tesla going for the rest of the year. So that's going to be a great discussion. But We'll start with uh, do you care or not? I'm going to throw this first one to Seth because I love. I know he loves this uh, this market so much. He's been telling us all about pre-show here, but this is the hard seltzer market. We got some news that Coca-Cola is going to join the game. They're jumping into the hard seltzer game. They're going to. It's going to be branded under the Topo Chico brand, which they bought back in 2017. Seth, do you care or not about Coke getting into the hard seltzer game? Uh, no, I don't care. Um, it, the seltzer space uh, is so crowded. Uh, although, as we talked about off air, uh, it continues to amaze me. It's a multi-billion-dollar category. It's still grow. It's been growing in triple digits for like the last three years. So, uh, you know, it's and I truthfully, I don't even like Topo Chico. I don't see what all the rage is about. Uh, but uh, so, so that's a no for me. All right, Kevin. How about you, man? Uh, it's, it's a no for me. I mean, it's a crowded market. It's, it's a booming market, just as Seth said. But, you know, you can't really get outsized returns in a, in a crowded market with no differentiation whatsoever, except for, you know, Coke, Coke gets the shelf space, right? They, they can get the shelf space. So, so that's really good. They've been calling a lot of brands out of their portfolio. So it's, it's interesting to see them jump in uh, to the, the hard seltzer market. Uh, but it is a booming market. There's a lot of players. Everyone is, is crowding in like they do all the time it reminds me of the wine coolers in the 80s and uh the the ultra low calorie beer that uh popped up a, a few years ago with Michelob ultra and then everyone else coming out with what 80 90 calorie uh, uh beers in the skinny bottles or skinny cans yeah I, i'm trying to find a reason to care i just can't like i said back i think it was two or three weeks ago during the 3pl summit 
I said that the hard seltzer market is kind of like the EV market right now. We see all these SPACs and all of these EV companies that are coming out with these you know, outlandish ideas to try to keep up with Tesla. Everybody seems to be trying to keep up with Tesla or keep up with White Claw. I don't think anybody does. I think both of them have the best product on the market. Uh, so I think they're going to continue dominating. But I see a lot of similarities in that market. But I don't really care that, that, that Coca-Cola is getting in. They're one of 100 others that we can find on the market. All right, so number two, uh, Chamath, Polyhapatia, and Social Capital have announced another three SPACs. So this is uh, you know, kind of a, a cadence that they're going out with here. This is fresh off the news of their second SPAC, which was IPOB. Uh, they announced a merger with Open Door. I think it was just last week or the week before. This is in uh, Chamath's quest to launch SPACs with the symbols IPOA through IPOZ. So in theory, there are 26 different SPACs. He wants to become kind of a, a Berkshire Hathaway, a new age Berkshire Hathaway that just focuses on tech and uh, does so through SPACs. So Seth, do you care about these next three coming out just after the news of the the merger with Open Door? No, I don't care. Uh, stop it with the SPACs. Um, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and, and the fact that he's going to name them IPOA through Z or C or whatever you said, that that's cute, but it's uh, it's a little bit too much for me. Yeah, in theory, he's trying, he's calling the, the SPACs IPO 2.0. Uh, and and Part of me wants to love it because of how much I how much I wanted to get in on that Snowflake IPO, and then it doubled before I'd even had the chance to to touch it. Uh, so I, you know, part of me as a, as an investor kind of likes the idea of SPACs, allows allowing us to get into uh, into some of these companies earlier on. But I get I get what you're saying, Kevin. I know you have some theories on SPACs. It kind of allows for for a little bit more uh, deviant behavior. So what do you think about this? When you care about Chamath and these three SPACs? You know, I, I care about this just because of the trend, you know, I, and, and, and certainly Shamatha, you know, he's a legitimate guy. But, but the thing is, you find this in Wall Street and financial games all the time is like they, they call this innovation. It's not innovation. It's just repackaging old ideas and, and throwing a little bit of a spin on it. But what you find in SPACs and the reason why SPACs are, have never really been popular, reverse mergers, they've always been kind of a shady part of the market. You know, a few years ago, you had all the Chinese companies that uh, – uh, went through reverse mergers, getting listed on stock exchanges, and there were, you know, not uh, oftentimes they're not even fraudulent companies. They they companies that don't even actually even exist. And I think, I, I think that everyone rushing into SPACs is we have a front row seat, and this is the reason why I care about it so much. We 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 have a front row seat, and we can see it coming. At some point, you're going to run into a lot of tech companies that are doing reverse mergers that are complete and outright frauds. And it seems like it's going to get here sooner rather than later because everyone is is jumping into this. And, what, you know, any gold rush, any rush to any market, you're going to have fraudulent activity. is just, uh, you know, human nature. So I, I do care about it because I am watching like a hawk for, for the frauds to start coming out at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. We're going to talk about Nikola here. And, and while all three of us don't believe that Trevor Milton or Nikola in general is a complete fraud, we, you know, we do believe there, there are some real allegations there. So we'll get into the Nikola conversation. But uh, I, I do care a bit about this. I like Jamath a lot. He thinks, uh, he talk, especially coming off the news of the Open Door, he thinks that Open Door Company uh, is another huge op uh, opportunity. He's calling it the same as uh, he called Bitcoin in 2012, Amazon in 2015, Tesla in 2016, and then Virgin in 2019. He thinks this is the next line of that. I mean, he's got to miss at some point, but uh, he's, he's batting pretty well right now. So we'll move on to our last one here, the, our, our UK or NAS. This one's about Apple. I sat here and watched the 
uh, you know, the a Apple event last week, hoping to see something on the iPhone 12. They told us that it's going to be until September 30th before we get that. But they did release a lot of new products, the, the new iPads, uh, an upgrade to the MacBooks. Uh, but the big thing that I took away was the service offering. They're going directly at Peloton and directly, they're trying to get some of that market share back with Spotify as well. Uh, so they had a bunch of new service offerings. The biggest one there is Apple Fitness. This is going to be attached to the new uh, the new Apple Watch. It's a whole suite of new fitness things that people can do. And they're going to bundle everything together So and call it Apple One. This is Apple Fitness, Apple News, Music, TV, and Arcade, plus some more. All for, I think, uh, 30 bucks a month for a family of five. Seth, what do you think about this? Do you like Apple One? Do you care or not about the new offering from Apple? No, I don't care. And I, I'm, a, I'm an Apple hater, full disclosure. I'm short Apple. Uh, I think Apple is essentially in a bubble. Uh, Apple hasn't grown in five years. Uh, I bought the stock back at the fund I worked at at 10 times earnings ex cash two years ago, and all of a sudden the stock's up three or four times uh, when the business is contracting. So uh, I don't think Apple's good at media. Uh, I think they make great products. I've got some AirPod Pros in right now, so I'm a hypocrite and I love them. But uh, no, I think Apple is terrible at everything they do with TV and media. <laughs> they have a lot of cash. They have a lot of cash to throw at it, but uh, Apple is no Netflix. Uh, and Spotify, I remember they, everyone said they were going to take down Spotify a few years ago, and I've been long that stock the entire time. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think Apple has got anything major going here. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you when it comes to TV. I haven't been that impressed. I have Apple TV because Courtney bought an iPad last year, but I've, I've been watching Apple TV. I haven't been impressed with the offering. And then Apple Music is garbage compared to Spotify. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, Kevin, what do you think, man? Do you, do you care about Apple One? I, I don't care one, one, one bit about Apple One. I have an iPhone, and that's about it. I don't really care about Apple TV. I don't have an Apple Watch. I'm not in the Apple ecosystem. I might buy a MacBook, but... You know, like like the all three of us. You know, I'm not going to learn Excel over. It took so long to to build my Excel skills. I, I don't want to deviate from that with little differences in keys. I, I don't even want to deal with it. I probably buy a MacBook, but I'm not a, a liver in in the ecosystem. My sister is. She's a huge Apple fan, uh, but but I don't. I, I I could care less what Apple offerings are all connected together. Yeah, and the, the skeptical analyst in me that's followed this stock for 20 years is like, you know, stop it with the $10 a month recurring subscription that you're trying to throw at us to get your valuation up and make more of your revenue recurring that actually sell as a good product or come out with something new. That's my. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the new. I jumped ship from Apple a couple of years ago. I, I got into the Google Pixel a few years ago, and I absolutely love the phone. I am interested to see what happens with the with the iPhone 12. I think they've made major upgrades, so I'll be looking out for that. Uh, but on the services side, I, I'm with you. I wasn't all that impressed with the Apple Fitness, uh, the whole the whole pitch and everything to it. Uh, but I got to say, I was alone in that because I had people texting me. All my friends, including you know my girlfriend, loved it. They want to cancel their gym memberships to, to join this thing. So. We'll see how it plays when it eventually comes out. I think it'll come out sometime uh, in Q4. So uh, we'll be watching that, and we'll, we'll keep everybody updated on the growth there. But let's move on to Nikola. That's uh, kind of the most exciting conversation here. We're, FreightWaves have been covering this on all angles. Alan Adler has talked a lot about uh, the allegations and the things against Trevor. We're going to try to talk about the valuation and the balance sheet and operationally what you'd be doing if you were uh, – 
if you were Gursky and, and Nikola right now. So uh, despite all this noise, there's got to be some reason that the company's worth $10 billion still on the market. Uh, analysts aren't jumping ship right now. GM isn't jumping ship. They're still going to pursue the deal, which why wouldn't you if you're GM, right? They don't have to put anything up front and they're getting a, a I can't remember the equity stake at this point, uh, but you don't have to put anything up and getting a strong equity stake. So there's very little downside risk on their part. But they've got cash on the balance sheet. They've got $700, billion, they've got $700 million, basically no debt, uh, a very safe balance sheet. The Altman's E-score of over 300, something crazy. Uh, but your visionary, the guy that had the vision for the company, Trevor Milton, is gone. He did come with a lot of distractions. But Seth, are they better off without Milton? Are they better off? I know you're a big Gursky fan. Do you think this company is better off one day after Trevor's gone? Yes, I do. And, uh, you know, I followed all of Alan's uh, articles, and he was on What the Truck yesterday. And uh, I think Alan actually worked at GM. And uh, so, you know, I, I used to be in the investment management industry. And so we I meet with hundreds and thousands of sell-side analysts all the time, like, uh, you know, every day. Uh, and so Gursky, I know in my network, had a very uh, well-known and respected uh, uh, reputation as being a really good sell-side auto analyst. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, you know, the things that bother me about Trevor, uh, and I don't want to trash the company, but, you know, Trevor would not stay off Twitter. He's like Donald Trump on Twitter. It's like, dude, please get off Twitter. He's, uh, you know, all day long, he's fighting with like retail short sellers that have like three followers. Uh, and he's that are, you know, insulting his battery technology. And he's in an 80 tweet thread going back and forth with this guy um, all day long. And it's like, what is the chairman of what was once a $30 billion company doing all day? And, and then, you know, the sensitivity to, you know, one thing that I know uh, of many years of painful experiences, shorting stocks and learning how to do that is, you know, you can tell the guys. So he's obsessed with the stock price. Uh, that's all he focuses on, and he's obsessed with short sellers. That is almost always a bad sign. Um, and, uh, you know, as a short seller, the, the guys that scare me the most are the guys that I have to wake up on earnings day, and all of a sudden I've got a 40% loss because that guy went out and executed. So I like the guys that go out there. You know, if he doesn't tweet all day long and just takes care, if he goes out there and signs the deals, creates the partnerships, and gets the trucks built, Everything else will take care of itself. So, and I think in in there with Gursky, you got a really well connected guy in the auto industry that's respected and has an enormous network. And I think Alan mentioned they have a uh, you know a crisis PR firm in there. Uh, I'm sort of we can get into this later, but I'm sort of thinking that uh, as long as it's not an outright fraud, that uh, you know things people may have piled on a little bit too much uh, too much here, and the stock may actually you know represent a decent value because if you think about it and uh and i'll i'll, I'll cut myself off here but uh I, I can paint a picture for why this could be a very big company uh, yeah we'll, we'll come back to the valuation and uh what you know what you think this company is actually worth with the money on on the balance sheet but i you know i'm with you on that trevor had couldn't see couldn't seemingly keep himself out of his own way they had a huge lead here right they were back in 2016 announcing that they were going to have cars you know that he came out with some musk-like expectation that they were going to have cars within two or three years on the road but let's let's take this into consideration for for just a minute just this week daimler mercedes-benz said they're going to have fuel cells on the road but they gave themselves five years till 2025 so this is obviously going to be a difficult path forward for them to do it so they gave themselves a lot of time but 
here Nikola had that they had a four year head start on all of this. And and it's seemingly that Trevor got distracted uh, going for the wave runner and the off road vehicle uh, and even the Badger. I think these are all distractions. I think they really need to their next steps need to be focusing on exactly what you said, getting the partnerships done, getting the trucks built and getting them delivered. Kevin, what do you think? Do you think they're better off without Milton? I, I think so. I think, I think Trevor, you can slide him in between maybe uh, the, the, the overstock.com. I, I forget that CEO's name, but he's always, always after all the short sellers from, from overstock. You know, now he's, he's, he's what? He's developing his own Bitcoin or, or cyber, cyber currency. He's a little bit out there. And then you have John McAfee, who's completely off the charts, right? And, and Trevor's right there in the middle. You know, there's no reason that, uh, that the chairman, as Seth said, of a $30 billion uh, company should be out uh, attacking retail short sellers or, or short sellers or anyone who's, who's writing or tweeting anything negative uh, about the company. Uh, you know, where they go from here, you know, Gursky's a, a very well-respected individual, but they're really, they're just now starting on that journey. So they have $700 million in cash, no debt, that they could do a number of different things, but but they have to go out and execute uh, and and build, almost build it from the ground up. It seems like, uh, you know, especially if you read too much into the Hindenburg uh, short seller research is that, you know, they they really don't have much IP. It's partnerships, it's brands. uh, And Trevor was, was kind of tarnishing that, that brand. So when, when you look at it that way, it, 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 the Nikola is is they're not going bankrupt, right? Because they have a lot of cash and they're not really spending anything yet. Uh, they have plans for for spending that, but they have a, a long way to go. So it's a it's a story in progress. That's we're not even in progress. It's a story right at its beginning again. All right, Kevin. So before 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 we all dive into some of the ideas, we think that could be some realistic next steps. You had an outlandish idea that. The more I thought about it, it didn't seem that crazy. So as you just mentioned, what is Nikola right now? They're kind of starting from scratch. They've just started on their production uh, plant in Ulm, Germany. Uh, they, they don't have much other than an office and an employee and a brand right now. What do you think they should do with that $700 million? You had a crazy, uh, crazy idea offline. Why don't you tell us? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a crazy idea. It's probably not plan A, probably not plan B, not C, D. But if you get down to E and F, you know, become a SPAC yourself. You went public during a reverse merger. You have all this cash. <laughs> Double SPAC. Why not buy buy a great asset and cash out uh, that way? I mean, that's it's always an alternative. It's kind of out there. It's, it's probably low probability event. But it's it's a choice that, that they could make. If nothing else works out, you know, just turn it into a reverse merger, buy a tech company, and, um, and, and go home. All right. So uh, well, I won't spend too much time on that. But, Seth, what do you, what do you, what do you uh, think, man? Seth, do, you think, well, do you think they keep uh, going just, with the Badger? I didn't know Kevin was going to go there. My, I mean, I think Kevin's idea would set off fire alarms in the market, and everyone would start shorting their stock like crazy. Because to me, What's that's going to send a signal if they go out and acquire something with that 700 million is that the base business is doesn't have a future. Um, and mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, which is fine, but they better go find something good and then be prepared to not talk about the core business anymore um, and or, you know, just give up on it because it would just create a massive distraction and send really bad signals. 
so what was the question again, Andrew, on the other part? I'm still well, laughing about I think, I think, <laughs> I, I think the, the question really should be about the Badger. I think the important discussion here is the Badger is the, the thing that brought in GM. The Badger is the thing that probably brought the valuation up. People got excited about their TAM expanding outside of commercial vehicles uh, and into the, into the, the uh the personal market. So do you think they should move forward with the Badger? Should they keep going and trying to make this? Or should they focus on kind of the undersaturated market, which is uh, the, the, the long haul alternative vehicle, alternative emissions or no emissions vehicles? What do you think they should do? Uh, I'm fine with the Badger. I, I'm not as big a fan of the Wave Runner and, uh, you know, the, and whatever else they have, the other sort of like uh, product. Yeah, the that toys. They they're not going to move any volume. They're cool, and yep. but they're like, uh, you know, a Sea Doo is what, like ten thousand dollars new, somewhere around ten or fifteen, something like that. I At think least, that's, yeah. I think that's rumored to be like a thirty or forty thousand uh, dollar, you know, uh, wave runner, which is just insane. Although it does go from zero to sixty, I think, in three or four seconds. Uh, that's so good. It is, the shit out of it. It is cool, but uh, you know, one thing that I would say about Nikola is, I think one reason when when I think through this of why this could be a huge company. So first things first, one thing about what people say in the stock market, they're like, how can this be a $10 billion company? You know, they have zero revenue, they don't even have a truck, and blah, blah, blah. Well, what I would say after following all these companies for years and years is this is priced on a probability spectrum, right? So there, it, it could be a zero or it could be a $100 billion company. And so you gotta price things on a probability spectrum depending on where that goes. And so the argument I would make for, and you know, JP, I read uh, Passport Research's note on Nikola yesterday, and I don't want to give too much away for non-subscribers, but you know, newsflash, it's going to be hard and expensive to build a uh, nationwide hydrogen fueling network. So, uh, you know, uh, so I, obviously they have challenges, but where I think that Nikola could be a huge company is when I think through the numbers, right? So if we just take them at their word, uh, I think there's about 3 million truck drivers in the U.S. That implies there's somewhere around 3 million Class 8 trucks. Um, you know, if you, over time, if you were to penetrate 10% of that, then you're talking 300,000 trucks, and they charge $700,000 a year. I mean, excuse me, over the life of seven years, or $100,000 a year for each one of those trucks. That's $210 billion in cumulative revenue. And then if you want to look at it, uh, you know, Andrew, you and I look at the Class A truck sales. Uh, you know, on an annual basis, they're usually they're they're all over the map, but they're somewhere between like 100 and 500 thousand a year. If you make an argument that Nikola gets in there and can sell a decent percentage of that, that's an enormous revenue stream. Um, and the other thing that I would say uh, about Nikola going forward, and I just lost my train of thought here, but um, is that uh, you know, they don't have to be, in other words, if their business model takes off and they're able to get a portion of the market, and here's the other thing, it just came back to me. You know, if you look long-term, the question, the key question for investors in the stock is, is the long-term future, just like whether it's for cars, is it diesel trucks or is it hydrogen or electric? I think the answer to that is obvious. Uh, now, whether that takes 10 years, that's another question. But if the answer to that is that it's electric or hydrogen, there's really only two pure plays. There's really only one pure play in the market. That's Nikola. And then I got, I don't know much about hydro, whatever it is. Um, I should know the name of that. But uh, really, you got Nikola and Tesla, and that's it. And so, you know, I think you can make an argument 
that if they can gain a material portion of that market, and if that market does go electric or hydrogen over the next few years, given how large the and this isn't just an American company, that you know they got trucks in Europe, they've got factories in Europe. So I mean, obviously they're they're so the uncertainty is through the roof. There's a lot of execution challenges. They've got to build 700 fueling stations, but. You know, I think you can see why this could be a 50 or $100 billion company if you make, if you carry all those assumptions out. If you say yeah, if I mean, a lot of times. It's an elaborate plan. Say what? It, right. If you say if a lot of times, right? Yeah, there's a lot of ifs in, in, in that. Dooner's slacking me right now, and he says that, that Seth just wants to jet ski. He's, he's, he's talking about the jet ski just because he, he wants a jet ski. He wants Nikola to send him a jet ski. And, and <laughs> probably right. Um, but on the Badger, I was talking to, to Alan Adler. We, we had him on uh, Midday Market Update. He thinks there's a 0% chance we, we see the Badger. I think they're going to shelve that. I agree. Because it's not really a, it was never really a product, you know. Um, it just came out of nowhere that it became a product, right? It was just a response to Tesla at a time. So I don't think you're seeing the Badger. I think they're going to concentrate on on their infrastructure and OEM for 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 Class 8 trucks. And, you know, $700,000 over a seven-year lifespan, I don't know if that's really economically feasible for for trucking companies. On. On, on top of that, it may not be economically feasible for the trucking companies. That's only and only if they can get the price of hydrogen, the production price of hydrogen down something like 70 or 75 percent. The, the, the cost of hydrogen right now is way too high, and they're expecting themselves to have some economies of scale as they build out this network and as they build out production. But right now, it's still something like Kathy Wood over at ARK Invest has really good numbers on this on her weekly uh, on her weekly newsletter, she said that she believes Nikola will go to zero before they ever deliver either a Badger or a, a truck. I'm I'm not so far going down that road, but she lays out the cost of hydrogen, and it's very expensive right now. And, it, and all of this is going to be based on whether they can bring that cost down. So I think that's something to remember. Uh, but it, it's obviously worth the squeeze, though. People are expecting there to be multiple winners, as Seth said, that the, the EV market is big enough for both battery-powered and hydrotech-powered, uh, hydrogen-powered batteries. That's why you've seen Daimler and you've seen Volvo and other people, other big uh, big rig producers trying to get into this market. I think it, there's going to be multiple winners. It's just there's a lot of operational challenges for a company that has very little assets right now. They have nothing built out. Their expertise is is fresh. I mean, you're, you're trying to compete with the, the Volvos and the Daimlers of the world that have been around for hundreds of years. So it's a tough operational task, as Seth said. But uh, what do you think? Uh, one more question before we move on. Seth, does this hurt the SPAC market at all? Ben Gordon told us on our last interview that if Nikola is worth nickels, then the SPAC market is in trouble. Do you think he's correct there? You know, I don't know. I was thinking about that. I mean, Ben would certainly know way more than me. I think he's been an investment banker in private equity, and he's probably done a lot more deals like that. So I would probably defer to him. But I, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, it is a blemish for SPACs, but I, I think... Uh, I don't think one bad apple is enough. I, I think there's been like a hundred of these uh, in the last six months. So one bad one, I don't think for me is enough to tip the scales. I, I agree. I don't think, you, I, I, 
yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think Nikola uh, is going to be a blemish on the SPAC market, but there are going to be a blemishes. So they're coming. At, at some point in the future, they're going to be overextended. You're going to have non-quality companies uh, really tapping in the SPACs because you always do. You all, you know, everything in the financial game, you, it's a really good idea for qualified, you know, same with the housing market. You know, loaning, loaning people, qualified borrowers, money is great. But, but as soon as you tap out of that, you just keep the party going. And that's what Wall Street does. And that's what they're going to do with SPACs. So the blemishes are coming. I don't think Nikola is the, the blemish, though. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be worse losses ahead for, for people that, you know, even more risky companies. I don't think the SPAC industry is dead either, especially with uh, Polyhapatia and, and Social Capital trying to do, a, you know, two dozen of them or something. There's going to be more companies trying to do this. I think they probably need to be more focused on uh, on technology space, software space, rather than some of these big asset endeavors uh, like Nikola would have to, is going to have to endure. Uh, but that's that. So we only got a couple minutes here, but let's just get a, a quick moment on battery day. We'll do another, another talk on it next week after we get some of the uh, specs and the things from uh, Elon this afternoon. But uh, we're, like I said, we're not battery experts. We're just kind of expecting larger cells, some tablet cells, uh, maybe even straight cell to pack. All of that, if you're wanting some really in-depth te technology, uh, 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 if you're looking for somebody to go in-depth on the technology of the batteries, look for Rob Maurer at Tesla Daily. He'll give you all that. But Seth, what do you think the market is expecting here? Do you think they're going to, to take the news well? Are they thinking million-mile battery or nothing? What do you think as a, as a Tesla holder? And we have about two minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't own any Tesla anymore. Actually, I sold mine. I think Tesla. Oh, that's I nice. think Tesla, I think Tesla's very overvalued here. Uh, I, I, after it had 10x on me, I had to say goodbye. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think that the, there's a lot of hype here. Uh, the holy grail of battery technology is if you can get a longer range battery for EVs. Is longer range battery and a cheaper battery because that's going to make Tesla a lot more profitable. I hope to see that. As for everything else, I, I don't know exactly. I think there's the expectations are really high around this event, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. All right, Kevin, you looking for anything? Or are you going to be uh, avoiding the stream? I, I'm going to be avoiding the stream. You know, the Tesla is going to do what Tesla does, and it's going to get a lot of reaction. And it's kind of like Apple. I I don't really care one way or the other. Uh, yeah, I'll be watching uh, this afternoon. I am hoping to see them try to, to, to build out their own batteries more often. You know, they're, they're LG and Panasonic and, and CATL are their major uh, suppliers. I'm hoping they'll bring some of that in-house. I'm also hoping that they expand the life of batteries and, and bring the, the weight and cost down. I'm just hoping they make one inexpensive enough for me to purchase one in a couple years. But there's that. So, hey, uh, the Freight Tech Awards are coming out here in the next few days. We, we've got our uh, we've got our nominations in. We've got over 200 unique no uh, companies nominated. 31 different U.S. states are represented and 15 different countries. So be on the lookout for all of that for over the next week. We are on a six-day, 23-and-a-half-hour break. We'll see you next week. Thanks for your attention. Have a good week.